Every day I'm hustling, 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 hustling. Every day I'm hustling, 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 every day I'm Welcome to a Cigar Hustlers Podcast, where we take a closer look at the people of the cigar industry with your host, Mike and Mike. Hi, I'm Mike. And I'm Mike also. And this is a Cigar Hustlers, Hustlers Podcast. podcast. That's really kind of corny. We, sh- we might want to drop that. Whatever. We can fix it later. Okay. Um, all right. So we got a, a good friend of mine, the Vice President of Sales for LFD Cigars, a one Mr. John Carney. Say hello, John. Hi, guys. How's it going? I thought your introduction, the the unison and kind like of harmonizing. That? You liked it. That Mike did with the with the laughter. Was was beautiful with your with your baritone <laughs> oh, thank voice. Thank you very much. So uh, you, no, you. I think you guys should keep that up. I appreciate that. Yeah, we uh, you know we try and keep it keep it real here, right? Right. <laughs> oh, you're very quiet today, Mike. Sorry, it's been a long day. All right. So uh, obviously, this podcast is more origin based, and we want to know more about what you did before you got into the cigar industry and what you and what you do now in the cigar industry. But before we get into that, let me ask you exactly how old are you? I, I actually, I just had a birthday. Uh, coincidentally, I was down in the Dominican Republic for it as well, so I don't remember uh, all <laughs> of it. But I, I believe I went from 33 to 34. And I'm 34 years old, just just recently. So uh, 34 fine years so far. Hopefully there's much more than 34 left, but we'll see. So you're 34 years old, and you find yourself as the vice president of sales for La Flor Dominicana. Yeah, I think... So I've been in this role now for about five years. I've been with uh, with Lido and Inez, uh, the uh, owners of our company, since 2011. Mm-hmm. And I started with them when I was 27. And I took this position over right before I turned 29. Um, so I was 28 at the time. So I think at the time I, I was I didn't really like advertise this, but I think it was a claim to fame that in terms <laughs> of like either the medium to large sized businesses in the industry that I was the youngest uh, sales executive. Right. So I didn't go around bragging because I had a lot of stuff that I was doing uh, when I got promoted, <laughs> like replacing territories, filling filling in with sales reps, uh, which we have a good sales team now. Uh, but I didn't go around bragging, hey, I'm the youngest sales sales executive because like that's a good way to Just to not a be a shirt or something. Yeah, well, it's a good way to not be the youngest sales executive. <laughs> uh, doing that so i it wasn't something that i bragged about but in my head i was sitting there i was like hey i'm one of the younger guys in this industry uh let alone in this type of position so at the time i took that over was was 28 there's definitely been a lot of learning curves for sure uh over the last six years in the role and it's uh been great you know it was really unique to have the opportunity uh and be given that trust to to learn and grow uh, so that was definitely unique uh but yeah it was uh at the time i was one of the younger and i, I believe i still may be uh, but i think i look depending on on how much steak i might be eating or wine i'm drinking <laughs> for if anyone that follows me i some, i think sometimes i look younger and older depending the uh, bloat level <laughs> so how did you find yourself into that position so Did you have I, soft, supple hands? I mean, I don't, I don't get it. I was a drug runner for about 15 <laughs> years prior to this. I started at 13. Uh, no, I I was... I, I went to UCF uh, in Orlando, Central Florida, just south of here. Mm-hmm. And I I grew up in the restaurant business. Uh, my family owned restaurants uh, from the time I was born. Um, and I worked in them from the time I was about 10 years old. So I grew up in the hospitality and restaurant industry. And I came down to Orlando for college 
as college was as colleges go, UCF was the leader in hospitality industry in the world, um, being the second largest school in the country now, mm-hmm. uh, and the also the national champions of uh, right. football, for anyone who was curious. Right. UCF Knights. Only undefeated. Yep, only undefeated team. Uh, so I ended up going there because of the hospitality background, and my, my goal was I wanted to be the CEO of Walt Disney World. No um, so that's kind of why I came down here. That was my goal from the time I was in probably middle school. Get the uh, fuck out of here. I yeah, didn't know yeah, that. Yeah. That's in my, awesome. uh, That's cool. <laughs> yeah, career day. Not really career day, but we were going around in our English classes, and we had our guidance counselors in there, and everybody was saying, hey, what they wanted to do. Some people were firefighters, musicians, whatever it was. And uh, I said CEO of Walt Disney World. and uh, Sorry, of Disney World. And the teacher was like, she goes, that's oddly specific. And I was like, well, <laughs> that's exactly what I want to do. Uh, but to liven that up, when I graduated call, uh, high school, um, in the high school yearbook, my buddy Cole, who actually just got married a few years back, uh, he's a big cigar smoker too, and his brother actually came down to the Dominican Republic for me, uh, with me to, uh, for my birthday that I mentioned earlier. And he, uh, he said that his goal was to work for me in my casinos and in my yearbook is so that I was going to be a casino owner. Um, so I, I found a, <laughs> through a couple different things, I, I ended up working at Disney for several years as a bellman and valet. I was also a pirate, Pirates of the Caribbean for oh, a no bit. Shit. Yeah, I did that part-time. That was a good time. Oh, good. The stuff you learn on this podcast <laughs> yeah, is just dude, fucking okay, fantastic. Cool. I'll tell you, man, the, the Disney thing, it, it was it was awful. <laughs> um, it's, it's one of those stories. Change that old CEO. Uh, yeah, it's one of, well, the CEO thing would have been great, but the problem is you, you when anybody tells me and asks me what like my coolest job ever was um other than saying hey being in the cigar industry now which which appears incredibly cool and really awesome and, and most of the time it is um i say oh i used to work for disney world as a pirate and i was like oh man that's so great oh, i was terrible i was getting paid i six would just say i was a pirate <laughs> yeah i was getting paid <laughs> six bucks an hour yeah. uh, you were working <laughs> at a theme park dealing with annoying people the whole day i mean imagine when you're a tourist how irritating you probably are towards the people right yeah uh, that are working i know i'm terrible uh, when I travel around, so uh, uh, you know, dealing with me's all day was challenging, <laughs> especially for six bucks. Uh, but there's no other job that's cooler than that. Working at the ride, I was in the retail shop. I did parades and stuff, so uh, I did do that. I never got into the casino side of it, <laughs> so that maybe that's still ahead. Uh, but the cigar culture down in Orlando was something that I I got into my freshman year of college through a really good friend of mine. Uh, his family was pretty affluent, so they went on a lot of vacations throughout the year, and they'd always sneak back Cuban cigars. So we started smoking, you know, little Romeo and Julieta, uh, the Corona sizes, and then uh, he got me onto the CAO flavors, and then mm. I was kind of hooked because they said the the cigar culture in Orlando is huge, right? Uh, and the retail business in Orlando is is kind of like a Disney World of cigars, right? Uh, so that's that's how I got started in enjoying cigars, and then uh, I. I after college, I worked for Darden Restaurants. I was uh, uh, open new Olive Gardens for them as a sales manager, and I did that for about three years, and uh, that ended crash and burn uh, <laughs> in a flame of excellence. Ended relationships. It was the it was the quarter life crisis at twenty five. Nice. Uh, so I, I went back to grad school, really got into cigars, and started working at a small cigar shop in uh, West Orlando. Uh, for a bit of time. It was called Havana Sensation. It's not open anymore. Uh, a friend of mine, Ed Santoro, owned that. And that's kind of how I got not just into cigars. That's how it went from a, a passion and something I did every once in a while, uh, a few times a week, to it became something I did every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that shop really... 
you know, introduced me to the people that got me excited about the business and realized that it could just, it could be a really good job. And then, you know, taking the opportunity from there, uh, Tony Gomez, Lido's son, uh, who's the maker of our chapter one, Lenox chapter two, and uh, coordinated with his dad on the Andalusian bull. Uh, he was our sales rep. Right. And I think he was your sales he rep was. for a period of time too. And Havana Sensations crushed it with LFD stuff. Yeah, huge. Yeah, it was uh, it was it was about forty percent of our business was LFD. So I was surrounded by LFD and that's when I was really introduced to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tony, as I said, was a sales rep, so I had a relationship with him. And uh, at that time, I was just, you know, kind of run like a frat house at times. You know, when we did events, it was a party. Um, So I I ran into Tony one night. We were doing an event. And, uh, you know, we we just hit it off and stayed close over the next year. And then it turned into uh, me being offered a position with them as a sales rep for the northeastern United States, where I did uh, New York and uh, New England. But, I I mean, I never dreamt of, one, there being a job in cigars, (laughs) especially premium cigars. I had no idea what that was. Uh, The only cigar lounge stuff I knew was what I knew from the local area. I'd never been to cigar lounges anywhere else before. Um, and I was an idiot, so I had no money, so I couldn't travel anywhere. So I stayed <laughs> around uh, that area. Um, but the, um, you know, the r- really fun part of it was going in and finding that it was it was a great job. Right. Um, it was a really, you know, thriving business in the northeastern United States. You know, one of my biggest territories of of, of the territory I had was New Hampshire, right. which is super cigar friendly, very f- similar to Florida. Cigar bars, you can smoke, you know outdoors at restaurants um so that was fun so it really introduced me to another culture and then you know story for another podcast you know how, how it ran into this role in this position you know one thing led to another and i ended up uh, you know being promoted into the vice president role and i'll say the most rewarding part of this uh, for me personally and professionally was the day that i got to call my parents up because they thought it was a bad idea from the beginning They're right like, cigars like what are you gonna do what are you doing with your life yeah and i dropped out of grad school to do it so they're like come on like, you spent a lot of money on that what's the deal and then you know i was the rep for two years but the day i got promoted i got the call up and say hey um you know i got a promotion today and they're like oh really like yeah, what, what, what are you head pirate now <laughs> yeah head pirate. like oh to, to what because at that time i was also um i was getting out of the cigar business when i got promoted i was going to go back into the family business and restaurants uh back up in maine we didn't own any but uh there's a chain of six restaurants my dad runs and he's very actively involved in the political side of it through uh the national restaurant association so i was going to go back and get more involved in that politically and try to figure out what i was doing um but then the opportunity arose for this position and i was able to take that so when i was when i let them know about it uh their understanding was that i was leaving the cigar business and uh, moving back to maine and Mm -hmm. i was living outside of boston at the time uh, so I called them up and was like, oh, another, uh, my parents were like, oh, another whirlwind idea, uh, what's going on? And they're like, what are you getting promoted to? And I go, vice president of sales. And they're like, really? <laughs> so I go, yeah. And I go, I'm not moving. I go, I'm still going to be coming up to Maine for a short time while we figure it out. But I start next week and I'm going to be down in Miami. Um, and coincidentally, um, one of my, one of my, my dream job as a kid before I wanted to be CEO of Disney company was I wanted to be a pilot for Delta airlines. Ah, okay. Um, that's what I wanted to do until I realized that I hated math and I had a, uh, a local <laughs> friend of our family that came to Embry-Riddle down here in Florida and I, re- I saw how much math stuff they had to do. I was like, this is just miserable. I'm like, I don't want to go through these courses to learn how to fly a jet. Um, 
and the reason I wanted to do that to tie everything together was uh, at Disney they had this ride called Delta Dream Flight. Because mm-hmm. Delta used to be the preferred airline of, of of Disney. Walt Disney World, yeah. Yeah, and Walt Disney actually was going to build a runway, and the, the area is still there. I don't think it's been built in, but if you can get around, you can see it's towards the entrance of Magic Kingdom when you're going in there. They had this area that was set aside as a runway, and what he was going to do was have a runway so planes and jets and tourists could just come straight to Disney World. Oh, no shit. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. And, and what a difference that would have made. Huge. And, and it changed, obviously, and that, that's why Orlando has become what it is, is because of what's going on in Disney. So all that growth was a part of his dream and his vision. Uh, but they had a ride there. It was Delta. So you go on, it was like you were riding on a Delta jet around the planet. So I used to like pray at night. that was like, oh, I want to be a Delta Air Airlines plan. I want to fly around the country <laughs> on Delta Airlines. Uh, so when I got promoted uh, into this role, from when I was younger, from that ride, my dad had started me a SkyMiles account. Right. I was like four years old. So I had a Delta SkyMiles account. <laughs> and I started Only to have to travel the country. Right. Yeah, so I just fast forward 24 years, I'm 28, and I'm starting to travel around the country. And I'd always, as I said, I'd always pray, like, I want to I want to travel around the country and be a pilot for Delta. Um, I got the better end of that deal because now I fly around the country on Delta, uh, <laughs> and I'm not the pilot, and I get to sip on cocktails off and on. Um, so I kind of look back, and, like, everything I've ever asked for, anything I ever thought about, or things I set my eye, uh, you know, my goals towards, uh, I've got to do at least a little bit of it and uh, you know maybe not the ceo of disney world but i got to work there right. uh, i'm not the pilot on the plane but it's it's more fun sitting in the passenger seat right um on delta so uh, you know a lot of the things that i envisioned there's, there's more to go but what brought me to this has been really unique and a lot of things i wanted to experience as a kid i'm getting to do now that's awesome that's cool so vp of sales what do you think is the most difficult part of your job because i think that you got a lot of difficult portions However, there's got to be something that really sticks out just for you. I'd say, so I work for a brand that is family-owned, husband and wife, mm-hmm. mom and pop, essentially. And they're the, they're the faces of the brand, and they're the ones that built the brand. I would say the, probably the more unique challenge on uh, a side that people don't generally get to see is, is representing and representing individuals in the business and representing their their views and their goals right. on a daily basis because everybody goes into something and you have your own idea of how you want to do it right um, and I, I think one of the one of the more unique challenges and I'm not saying it's the hardest thing but I say one of the more unique challenges working with people who have 24 years worth of success right and they have a view of the way they want to do things and fitting your views in with that and working into what their their vision is. Um, and I, I don't think that's an easy thing for people to do. I'm not patting myself on the back because I've been able to do it for seven years. Um, but I'd say that's definitely one of the more challenges because it, it's everybody every day, especially in the, the society we live in, you want to do whatever you want to do when you want to do it. And right. the reason why is because I think it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my views and my opinions aren't always the best um, and aren't always the best way of doing it. And the way we think of things being done isn't always necessarily the best. Uh, but when you have a, a family that you work for that has a track record of success and a track record uh, that they have with the brand. Um, I'd say putting, bringing in new things and working together on that is one of the more unique challenges. I said I don't think it's hard, and I think it makes us better. Right. Uh, all of us, you know, it's definitely made me better working with them. Uh, I hope the same in reverse for them. So I'd say that's probably one of the more unique challenges that right. people don't get to see because they kind of have a vision. Yeah, and I, I said probably the hardest thing is just the amount of time out on the road. Right. Uh, you know, it, the 
people see me around i'm always at a cigar event or i'm traveling here and right. there or i'm when i'm they're like oh man you get to cook some great stuff you know when you're home uh, you know I, I was home i've been home three times in the last month right um so you know i'd say that's probably the biggest challenge is is having a normal existence um, on that end but i wouldn't trade it for anything um but uh, as i said on a personal level you know the the, the biggest challenge for me is is working with people's vision Right. Uh, and and how to do that now we've been successful with it and that's been one of my big growth areas uh personally but uh that that's i think the biggest challenge in the cigar industry as a whole you see some you know this isn't to call other uh, call other people out in other areas but you see some revolving doors sometimes right and when you when there's a revolving door uh you can tell it's 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 somebody stepping in there it, you know you want to bring there's there's definitely been my signature on our team and on our company at lfd there's definitely my you know my focus is the way we run the team the way we do things i've definitely left an impact on that and i do but you you, you always see a lot of revolving doors sometimes in the cigar right. industry and people jump in they're like oh gun ho this is what needs to be done this is what needs to happen and, and whenever you jump into a situation where you where something needs to improve whether it's you know for us it was making sure we had consistent sales representation right and that was through leadership of making sure things were communicated correctly and making sure that they had the right person in the right role um there's a lot of people that jump in like this has to happen today and you know in the reality is it doesn't have to happen today and the way this industry works sometimes things go a little slower and you have to be understanding of different people's views and the same thing when you're dealing with a customer like when i walk into your retail outlet i'm not going to tell you how to run your business right so how's my how am i going to work with you to try to influence you to do more business with me with how it, with it fitting with what you're doing because right. that's what success is about and that's how you'd feel successful with our brand so I, I see a lot of that in the industry and i see a lot of the times you know, there's some areas where I say this this situation could be really successful for this person if they could just see that their vision has to align with the vision of their brand owners. Uh, and I think that's been something that's worked out really nicely for me and for Lido and Inez and for LFD over the last seven years. For sure. I mean, one thing that LFD does well is they don't have a high churn ratio. You're absolutely correct. I mean, we had Tony first, and then he moved up and moved over to the, the DR, and we've had Leo ever since, you know, so... Um, that's really true, and you're right. That isn't common in this industry, for if, sure. If we were having this podcast, you know, six, seven years ago, it w- this wouldn't be the same type of discussion. I mean, <laughs> there is a lot of turnover, you know, in this industry, right? And that's been something that's been, you know, I ignored that as probably the biggest challenge. When I took over, I had four empty territories. Right. So I spent time, you know, working through, you know, with Lido and Inez, m- making sure we interviewed, hired the right people, went through our uh, the right processes to make sure these people would want to be around. Uh, so that on, on the actual logistics of the job, that was the biggest challenge right. from, you know, from the last five and a half years that I've been in this role. I know I'm quoting a lot of times. I've been with the company for seven years. <laughs> uh, I've been in this role for about five and a half, so that's where the six comes from. Uh, but that was probably the hardest actual task of the job when i took it over uh was was hiring and training new people across different territories and different parts of the country uh every week Uh, so that was that was logistically that was a big challenge but the rewards of that are great because now you know now the images you know you said we don't traditionally have a lot of turnover you're not a company that has a lot of turnover so for me that's really rewarding to hear that for sure so what is so explain a little bit more about what you do exactly for VP sales. I understand that you obviously have a, a lot of correspondence with every single salesman, right? Um, you have to, for one, you have to hire some of those salesmen, and then you're al- obviously always flying around 
with those salesmen, correct? The the number one job, uh, number one task in my job description is to post as many steak pictures <laughs> on Instagram. <laughs> and anyway, well, possible. then you do that well. I mean, you must be I, up for a raise at this point. I exceed the, I exceed <laughs> the expectations. Uh, no, I, I work mostly with our sales team. Um, you know, the way that I manage our team is I want them to essentially be directors and managers of their territories mm -hmm. um, so I, I, I give them a lot of uh, res responsibility within their territory I'm not there to micromanage them doing their jobs right. I have expectations that are set up uh, and this is what we need to do uh, but with that we work together daily you know via phone email um, communicating the same message because I'd hate for a retailer to get a message from my salesperson and then not get the same message from me um, and make sure uh, that we're on the same page so a lot of that a lot of the work is working with the sales team making sure that we have a clear image and a clear voice right uh, that's huge uh, we coordinating uh, coordinating shipping making sure products are coming in making things sure things are lined up um, the last year or so we've been in a spot where the demand for the product's been far outweighing our ability to supply things right uh, so having a clear voice and a clear vision on that and a clear direction has been even more important so that that's been bigger in the last few years than, than it even was before um, and that's been good uh, for our team so a lot of that um, I do a lot of events <coughs> I go yeah. around and do a lot of cigar seminars um, I haven't done as many at the beginning of this year uh, just because we're trying to get, I said, trying to get our heads on straight from a crazy 2017. Right. Um, but I do do a lot of cigar seminars when I go out there. We'll do uh, cigar to seed type tours uh, and virtual tours in stores. Uh, so I do a lot of that, a lot of educational uh, things. Sometimes the educational processes involve tasting liquors. Right. Um, and Which is nice. Also involve a lot of smoking it was cigars. Nice <laughs> but yeah, mainly I, I manage the sales team, manage manage our sales strategies, manage our events, uh, making sure we're all on the same page. Uh, we're, we're doing a lot of expanding now um, so a lot of more marketing things are happening in stores that will be unveiling throughout 2018 uh, which will take some more time but uh, I said with with empowering your team members uh, to make decisions and being involved in the process with them while not micromanaging has been huge I um, mean it's really made for a lot of successes for us on the road uh, not just product wise but in terms of personal and professional growth right how many salesmen do you have Oh my gosh! I imagine it's we're about to have one more. less if Lou doesn't pay attention. <laughs> <over there. laughs> no, I have. We have uh, seven in-house sales reps, and we have one brokerage on the West Coast. They they operate essentially as sales reps for us. Um, they've been uh, his name's Terry Coleman. Terry's been with us for. 15 years I would say um, and they, they represent our products and our brands very well so they essentially are managed like an in-house rep and then uh, Tony Gomez Tony still actually covers Miami because it gives him an excuse to come back to Miami <laughs> once a month because if not I'm not sure if he would because uh, he spends most of his time down at the factory working there on blends and new packaging and, and uh, managing the factory which is becoming quite an impressive uh, operation right um, we've our our base, which is our factory and farm, has always been bigger than the final product, right. and that's what's allowed us to consistently grow and, and keep the product consistent at the same time is making sure what's producing it is always you know fertile. Um, so that's been quite a bit of management down there. I mean, we, we just opened up a pretty significant art department down there. Uh, we have a human resources department at our factory, uh, printing areas, uh, packaging rooms, barcoding rooms. That's all new in the last year and a half. So there's, there's about 250 employees down there. Wow. Uh, to manage and and Tony and Lito are the ones that are making the decisions down there uh, with help of an executive team down there as well uh, that's been really resourceful for us but there's definitely so much more going on down there over the last several years uh, than there was before so 
uh, you know, it's we're not just when we're down in the Dominican Republic. It's work, right? Uh, it's not hanging out on the beaches all the time. Again, people get to see the it's pictures. Got we post Lido riding right. around on a little. Uh, it's it's not just Lido riding around on horses. Uh, you know, <laughs> there is that, but that's for pictures. Uh, but no, there's a lot of work. Video when he's on a little two wheels. He did have that segue for a minute. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the little hoverboard. The thing. Hoverboard yeah, I think those things catch on fire or something. Yeah. I, he's still got in the office. It's plugged in. So, <laughs> but no, there's a lot of work that goes on down there. So they they have their hands full as much as we do here domestically too. So you just got back from Pro Cigar, right? Can you tell the listeners what Pro Cigar is? Because I'm sure that some people know what it is, but I don't. I got a feeling that a lot of people don't know what it is as well. So Pro Cigar is essentially a trade group of the manufacturers, uh, the top manufacturers in the Dominican Republic, and every year they put on a a massive cigar festival celebrating the cigar culture and celebrating uh, the the history and the future and the present of the premium cigar business in the Dominican Republic. And uh, this year was the first year that I actually had a chance to go. Generally, that I was take your first time. Yeah, generally I take a vac- I take one of my vacation weeks that week. It's the same week as my birthday, so I always generally take that off. Right. And it's a good chance to kind of take a break cuz it's sometimes a slower time of the year, but it's always mm-hmm. like the third week of February. I um, mean, it's an incredible festival. So I had the opportunity to go down. Uh, we brought some guests with us, and it was uh, definitely a f- unique experience. When I go, I've been to the DR now probably 12 or 15 times, and to our factory at least you know 13 or 14 of those visits. And when I go down there, generally I'm taking down my sales team. We're having a sales meeting, talking business, you know, uh, explaining what's going on in the factory. You know, educating. Why you can't get Andalusian bulls? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. <laughs> educating, educating on on those things. Right. Uh, so it was fun this time to go down because for about the first day and a half. Nobody even knew that I worked for LFD, other than the group that was with us as guests. Uh, so I got to see our farm and factory as truly just a guest, right? Uh, with no other obligations. Uh, however, that ended about halfway through <laughs> the tour day when there was somebody in the back that couldn't hear what was being said, and they were like, "Oh, I can't hear what's being said. It's too bad. I can't hear it." And I said, "Well." This 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 is happening. We're in the aging and fermentation room, and then we went over to where they were stripping, you know, the veins out of tobacco, and they were sorting it. And I started answering questions. So like, have you been on this tour before? They're like, how do you know this? They're looking at each other, going, "Who is this young guy? <laughs> what the hell?" Is he doing? Yeah. So yeah, I had I had my American flag hat on. I was dressed <laughs> incognito, and I was like, "No, I'm actually the vice president of sales for this company in the U.S." And they're like, "Oh, that's so great. We had so many questions." So they asking some other questions, like, "Oh, Lolito said this. What you know? What, what, what was that you for?" You're giving your own tour now in the back. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, a little little tour in the back while Lito was talking, which was good, and we got to create some uh, we got to create some good friendships that way as well. But it was fun for that short time to to be incognito and just be down there for fun for the week right. uh, with the group that we had down. And uh, it was kind of funny on what you were talking about. You're saying I'll back ordered on Andalusian Bowl. Uh-huh. Um, so that's a limited edition product, right? So just because it got cigar of the year doesn't change. It's limited edition. Doesn't mean everyone likes it or we like it. Um, you know, in regards to our our you know the inability to, to supply the right. the demand for it, uh, we are making a ton more of it than we ever did. It's just the demand is so high on it. Yeah. But it's funny at the uh, pro cigar this year. One of the guys that ran into me and met me, he and his wife were sitting on the uh, bus with us on the ride back. He's like, hey, he's like, I got a funny question to ask you. He's like, I noticed. He goes, do you guys make any non-Maduro cigars? 
And I said, why you ask that? He goes, well, I was in the, he goes, I was in the rolling room. He's like, and only, he goes, all the rollers, it was like 120 of them. He goes, all the rollers were just making Maduros. He goes, I didn't see any natural cigars. I go, well, coincidentally, I go, we were, I go, it's funny you noticed that. I goes, we were, we just had a really crazy 2017. I go, and our top selling SKUs, three of our top selling SKUs are all Maduro wrappers. I go, so the supply was very low on it. Right. I go, so what you were watching us do is us playing catch up. I right. go, so everyone was, <laughs> was doing that. I go, we're in a fine spot on everything else i go but you were you were witnessing ketchup i go it's funny that you noticed it because nobody else brought it up right and honestly i i noticed it because i knew we were doing it but i didn't really think of it when we were walking through the rolling room with the group um so it was kind of fun to watch you know what's what's happening in the business here is is actually being reflected on what's going here and it was also rewarding it being in sales to know that that, you know that product is going to be readily available here sometime um in the very near future so that was that was a fun I know a fun question and, and unique that the consumer picked up on it. Yeah, no doubt. So, the other portion that so Pro Cigar is like a week long. So it, it does kind of span the whole Dominican Republic. Uh, it starts out in Punta Cana and La Romana. Okay. Uh, down there you have Casa de Garcia, which makes Monte Cristo. Mm-hmm. Um, those products. Um, they that's a huge factory down in that area. It's it's massive. I mean it's a it's it's as big as you can get in terms of premium cigars. So the trip starts down in that area, and the celebration starts there. There's some golfing that goes on uh, that first part of the week. It starts I believe it starts on Sunday. It goes Sunday Monday and then uh, Tuesday. They transport everyone. It's about a four and a half, five hour drive up uh, from Punta Cana, La Romana to Santiago, which is in the northwestern part of the country, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of the mecca of, of premium cigars. Everything kind of revolves around that area. Santo Domingo is the capital, but Santiago is the place where cigars are at. Right. Uh, so the celebration happens there. And. Um, there's multiple tours every day. There's different tours. Uh, we're fortunate that we do. We're one of the very few that has two tours. We do two tours mm-hmm. during the week, uh, just because we we have a very unique and different experience. It's it's small. Um, everything is everything we do is in that one place. Right. Uh, you know, from manufacturing the products. So when you see the farm, the tobacco goes straight to where where the factory's at. Um, and it has a really beautiful courtyard area, and it's really, really inviting and hospitable to, to host a group. So we're, we're fortunate to, to have that, uh, to have two two trips each time. Mm-hmm. And then each evening, there's there's celebratory dinners. One night's a traditional Dominican-style dinner. Uh, the second night's called the White Party, which is one of the most popular parties in all of the Dominican Republic. Mm-hmm. Uh, people from all the areas, from Santo Domingo and around the country, come to buy tickets just for that evening. Um, and that's hosted at a really historic site called El Monumento, and it's the only uh, event that's actually allowed on that property throughout the year, and only dinner event. And then the final evening is the gala dinner, which is all, uh, all high-end, dressed to the nines, and then it ends at the end of the night with a, with a rave party, essentially. Nice. Yeah, and it, was, <laughs> yeah it was like Daft Punk or something <laughs> was there performing, blew my mind. Um, so that went on until like 2 in the morning, so great time. I... I, I I'm not saying to just promote what we're doing and what the country's doing. I mean, it, I've never been to anything like that before. Right. And it, I had high expectations going in, and the hospitality that was shown by the gr- by the Pro Cigar Group, the organization was incredible. Uh, everything was as timed perfect. Um, and then the hospitality that Lito and Inez and Tony showed at the f- at the farm was unmatched. Farm and factory for me was unmatched, um, and really blew it out of the water. So I, I highly suggest if anyone has a chance to go, uh, Pro Cigar just searching on google it was it was definitely a memorable experience right no doubt i think the only thing i really got out of this interview is john carney the pirate 
Because <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm definitely Arr. taking that with me for sure. For sure. I'm going to commandeer your cigar. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a couple of questions. You obviously you're not a listener yet, um, but we're working on that. And we are in how many countries at this point? Twelve countries. Twelve, we are in 12 countries. countries around the world. It's pretty impressive. You know, I'm a pat on our back for yeah. that one. Not too shabby. So we have uh, a few uh, questions that we like to ask. Four, we're up to four. Four questions, four questions that, that we, we ask, like to ask everybody who's on the show. Yep. And um, you're not prepared for it, which I really, really like. Perfect. And um, fire away, Mike, when you're ready. Just I have one comment, Mike, before Certainly. you go. Certainly. Uh, th- th- I think it's obvious from how much I talk that I'm just not a good listener in general. <laughs> so it might be better that I'm not a listener <laughs> yet. Oh, it could I, be. But I did download the podcast and I'm subscribed. Boom. Oh, there you, there go. you go. Now when you fly because you can't drive the plane, you can listen to the podcast. There you go. You can catch up exactly. on all the bullshit that everybody else says. All right, fire. Fantastic. All right, first question. What one person, living or dead, would you like to share a cigar with? You know, I was just I was just having this conversation and I'm going to give you two answers to this. I was just having okay. the conversation. My number one my number one living changed recently. Um, I always wanted to have a cigar with Michael Jordan. I still do. I think that would be fun. Uh, but I've changed it recently. I would I want to have a cigar with John Cena. Ah, very oh. nice man. Does he, he smoke cigars? John Cena smokes cigars. Guy, but really nice guy, from what I heard. He does smoke cigars, and his father is a huge cigar smoker. So I'm going to start by enjoying a cigar with him sometime. He lives up in Massachusetts area, and um, uh, but I, I think enjoying a cigar with John Cena is at the top of my list right now. That's Big awesome. wrestling fan, right? Um, he but does more funny. Make a Wish. Yeah, he does all that than anybody else in the world. Yeah, ever. Yeah, ever. he holds a record for it. I just think the, the stories you would have while you get him down to smoke a cigar uh, would be incredible right uh, so I'm, I'm my number one living now is John Cena um, I, I think just to ma- just to make people jealous on a uh, passed away uh, cigar smoker you got to pick Winston Churchill right just just again the stories he has the, it, how his upbringing how he became who he was he was a pretty out there guy uh, he had some really strange hobbies so and he's I, you know he's a face of of premium cigars nowadays right so i said passed away winston churchill would be good um and then that's from celebrities and then living john cena passed away non-celebrity it'd be fun to have him my grandfather my dad's dad i never got a chance to meet him right. i don't know if he was a cigar guy but that would be cool uh so non-celebrity that would be that would be it but yeah cena awesome churchill <laughs> <grandfather>. cena cena <laughs> What's really cool about this interview is I can literally just say one thing and then, you know, you just kind of take over, which is fantastic. But that's the whole purpose of this podcast. So you're doing you're doing fucking awesome. All right. Question number two. Best piece of advice anyone ever gave you? Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I wish I'd written this some of this stuff down. You know, Write the one of the best pieces of advice that I ever had was the that you know time and success there's no there's no path i don't i won't i can't say the what the right words are where i got it but i know where it came from you know it's not a predetermined path if you're looking at success based off of other people you're never going to be successful in your mind or or, or professionally or whatever you think that is right Uh, so i I try to gauge my my success and i try to gauge success in life based off of trying to be better than myself Mm -hmm. the day before Uh, so if I can continue to be focused on being a better person or working harder than I did the day before and if I'm always competing with myself then I'm not worried about what's going on around me as much and I would say probably the last 
I'd say probably the last eight years, I've worked really hard personally to not concern myself with, with too much what's going on around me. Being aware of it because you don't want to affect other people's lives. Right. But if you focus on personal growth and focus on being a better version of yourself every day, you're going to get to where you want to be. And then the, the outside is going to look in saying, hey, this is I want to do this. You know, I want to be like this person. Right. So I, I hope that's what other I hope that's what successful people do, because like I hope to be successful well, the, person the someday for you. So uh, so I would say that's probably the best piece for of advice is just pirate be, device president exactly, of a large exactly. cigar company. So, yeah, just try to be better than yourself every day and, and move forward without without judging your success on what other people are doing. Envy's a really, uh, really bad thing. Awesome. Very good. All right, next question. What is your favorite cigar? Ooh. So I, I have <laughs> been... I've always been partial to LFD. I've been a big LFD smoker since the early 2000s. Um, and it obviously expanded a lot more in 2007, 8, and 9 when I got into smoking a little bit fuller body products, not smoking CEO flavors anymore. Right. Um, but I've always been partial of the. It's always been my my go-to cigar. However, uh, my my number one favorite cigar in the history of the world is the Padron 1926 Number One Maduro. So right. that's my favorite go-to. Um, if I were to have, they say, oh, you're going to smoke one more cigar for the rest of your life. Right. I would smoke Padron 1926 Number One Maduro. If they said you can smoke one brand of cigars for the rest of your life, I would pick LFD because we got a lot of things offering there, and it's been what been my everyday cigar for you know 12 years right but yeah padron 1926 number one maduro that was a long answer no that's, that's awesome okay. yeah that's all right we love long answers normally people trip up and then we we get to hit them with but if it's not your cigar right what would be your right but well, you, you I, covered that already you did, so. yeah. you did a great job you did a great yeah, job I, you know i, I have it's I, I have it's the first time i ever answered that really oh, and no. you heard it here first <laughs> <right>? <laughs> <laughs> all right final question what fictitious person would you like to share a cigar with fictional character fictional character could be tv show movie Somebody from a book, yeah. Mm. Cartoon yeah, character. Really Wait, somebody pick Fred Flintstone. It's a really good question. Fred Flintstone's it. cool. And then he changed. He it. did change it, but fictional character. To listen to find out. Man, I, that that that's that's really really challenging. Fictional character smoking a cigar. So my dad works for this brand. It's called Governor's Restaurant and Bakery up in Maine, and the governor is this little guy. He's a character. He's made up. He's the governor. And he used to have a cigar in his mouth. Right. And when all the anti-smoking stuff started going on 20 years ago, they ended up taking the cigar out of his mouth. But there's still some pictures of him smoking a cigar. And I used to work for that company when I was when I was in high school, uh, after high school and a little bit in college uh, during the summers. And the governor always had a cigar in his mouth when I knew the governor growing up. So I would love to have a cigar with the governor when right. he was still oh, a cigar a smoker. That's yeah. awesome. That it's, is a great answer. And it's really cool. So occasionally I'll post a picture up online. It's not on any of their branding and stuff anymore. Uh, but, yeah, Governor always had a cigar in his mouth, a very regal guy, and uh, he had huge cheeks. Right. And he was always puffing on a cigar and eating a piece of strawberry pie. So I'm going to pick the Governor for fictitious Ooh, just because of the history. That's awesome. See, I would have thought you would have gone a totally different direction. Yes. Well, yeah, what do you think I was going to peg you for? Um, looks like a Stallone, like it'd be a Stallone guy. Maybe. No, I was going to say no. Tommy from Peaky Blinders, or maybe, uh, well, here, you know. Well, here, here's the thing. So I was thinking about, like, movies. I was right. thinking about TV shows. Obviously, I'm huge in Peaky Blinders. Right. Um, 
so the reason I didn't go that way because there's so many that I want to. So I didn't narrow. So narrowing it down quickly to one, uh, the governor would be you a cool fictitious character. You know what made me think was when you mentioned Fred Flintstone. Right. I yeah. was like, what would be a cool cigar thing that I always that kind of was something that was part of my history. Uh, that would be really cool. But I mean, celebrity wise, any Denzel Washington character. Right. Um, driving around in the car during training day, smoking a cigar. <laughs> any of the Shelby brothers and Peaky Blinders would right. be fun. I, endless amounts of, of cool like the Transformer from Transformers that smoke cigars that'd right. be kind of cool uh, the uh, John Goodman us. character yeah. yeah so there's a bunch of there's a bunch of stuff that I would you know but I, I think they if I can bring one fictitious character because I'd like to ask him how he felt about getting that cigar taken out of his mouth too right he used to love it <laughs> <laughs> now he's deprived mm-hmm. now he's just eating pie so is that all four of our That's questions? That's all four questions. Why? Uh, you want to tell people time. how to find you on social media or emails? Okay. or? So if you're searching for me on social media, uh, my Instagram account is at L, as in Larry, F as in Frank, <laughs> D as in David, C-A-R-N-E-Y, L-F-D, Carney. Uh, I, uh, it's a, my Instagram account is kind of a a focus of travel food and cigars and occasionally <laughs> wine um but you'll see pictures of places that i'm going food i'm uh food i'm eating most of the food i post is food i cook uh which is kind of fun that's a hobby of mine so uh, i have cigars on there too uh it's all lfd cigars now occasionally there's something on there uh but mostly all lfd uh, when i'm traveling around with cigars and then uh that's my social media on twitter instagram uh facebook's not as fun Right. As my Instagram is, Instagram is the best way to do it. But you can find my Facebook through there. But there's not as much fun on Facebook, unless <laughs> you're into steak wrestling, the New England Patriots, and anything <laughs> Boston-related sports. Uh, if you're interested in that, you can direct message me on Instagram, and I'll give you my Facebook. But uh, please, as I said, disclaimer: there's uh, about 18 to 19 weeks uh, of the year that you'll hate me because it's all <laughs> New England Patriots. <laughs> That is awesome. Hey, what are we all smoking, by the way? What do you got? So, uh, Mike, you're smoking the... Uh, Mike One is smoking the La Volcada, mm-hmm. which is our new release uh, that came out right at the beginning of the year, uh, slowly seeping into the market. I anticipate probably summertime we'll start to see a little more exposure on it, right. uh, just because the demand was very high on it. Uh, but La Volcada is uh, a tango-themed cigar. Uh, the La Volcada in the dance of the tango, which was created in Uruguay, which is where Lido uh, grew up, uh, that is the part of the dance where the man dips the woman. Uh, so that's kind of fun. He actually cool. danced the tango at Pro Cigar this year. Uh, but that's a r- medium full body, real rich. Got a San Andreas wrapper, uh, r- real rich fillers in it, uh, real fun smoke. I, I enjoy that a lot because yeah, it's not great too stick. strong, but it's uh, definitely got some strength to it. Uh, Mike, too, what do you got there? He's got Coronado, Coronado. I believe. No, oh, sorry, 1994. Oh, 1994. Yeah, it's actually my favorite, uh, my favorite everyday blend. 1994 uh, uses a little lower priming uh, San Andreas wrapper, which is similar to the La Volcada. Uh, it's a nice straight medium bodied cigar. And 1994 was the year that Lito and Inez got into the cigar business. Uh, so that was released in 2014. Um, and I smoke that every day. If you haven't got your hands on that before, I'd highly suggest trying Very it. Very good. Yeah, price point's nice on them too. They run six to eight bucks. Huh. And then um, I'm smoking our Reserva Special, which mm-hmm. was our second line of cigars that came out in 1996. And it was just recently re branded about a year and a half ago uh, with really fresh white boxes it may or may not have had a blend change some people say that it has it technically hasn't uh, i can't tell you if it has or has not um from my understanding it hasn't but it's definitely got a really uh, unique ecuadorian wrapper on it um dominican binder and filler and uh, this was a blend that is 
is closely related to our Andalusian bolt. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been a really big success for us. And the reason you and I, Mike, are smoking La Vocada and Reserva Special are because these were from my Pro Cigar Pack. Uh-huh. Um, so I don't actively have these right this <laughs> moment. Uh, so we're smoking two items that are probably a few weeks away from being back uh, back to normal. But uh, I happen to have them in my Pro Cigar Bag that I brought up with me. So Well, thank you for sharing. And um, uh, that means your little much it. your little thing there. Yeah. All right. If you like uh, if you like what you hear, please give us your feedback. Or if you don't like what you hear, give us your feedback. We want to know what but we but can more do to make we it like to hear that you do like to hear. Oh, absolutely, things. absolutely. Um, you know, should we? Have, we don't really ever plug how we can be found, right? Uh, no, it's on the uh, intro when we post the thing. But no, we don't. Okay. So if you want to go ahead. Well, I mean, I can be found at Cigar Hustler on Instagram. Uh, Florida Cigar Club underscore Mike on Instagram. And if you like what we're doing, please share it with your friends. You know, the more people that listen, the more people we can provide education about the cigar industry is what we want to do, and that's kind of our goal here. So that's That was new. That was nice. I like yeah, that. Thank you. Yeah. I, just I thought of that. I think the – you get to see – with social media, you get to see a lot of a lot of faces from the cigar business, and you get to see some of the stuff they do in their lives. And, you know, I follow – I follow a bunch of people from cigar business who are my colleagues. I follow, uh, you know, peers, and it's fun to watch their their travels, right. watch what they do day to day. It's really interesting. However, a lot of the time, I get caught even with people who I consider very close friends in the business. I think we get caught and we don't realize what they did or who they are to get to where they were at. Right. Um, and it, I've you know I've been listening to some things recently where people were asking some questions like this. And you got to really see, uh, hey, this person's. This is where they came from. This is what they did. This is was some interesting facts that they had, and you don't get to see that on social media. And I think what you guys are doing here with the podcast, bringing it to a little more personal level, um, is really unique. Because you, you mentioned some of the other guests you have on, and I follow those guys on Instagram, and I consider some of you know most of them friends. Right. And I'm like, wait a minute. I'm like, I don't know any of this stuff about them. Like, I'm their <laughs> friend because I saw them post a picture of a you know of a salad last week, or right. or, or a piece of steak, or whatever or a cigar yeah, um, and they are I don't think anybody that, that we um, have had on the podcast has posted a salad just for the record no no <laughs> I, just, I said that just for the health conscious maybe crap. Matt Hunt Ma- yeah maybe Matt Hunt because he's maybe real Matt bougie Hunt. and it, he didn't eat the but he just posted a picture right but yeah it's cool it's cool to hear this it's cool to hear you know personal stuff you know different way people are thinking and, uh, and that's the side of the business that you don't always get to see so th- you know thanks for having me on and giving me the chance to do it on my oh, end thanks for taking the time again thanks for coming on man you're a great friend you know we obviously have a good friendship outside of the cigar industry so um but you didn't know he was a pirate i did not know the pirate but now i know the pirate i know the pirate so i'm gonna take that and fucking run with it (laughs) there's so so many good pirate stories too i said we could go on and on and on on that stuff just have a pirate episode that is fantastic pirate talk with john carney (laughs) so you know thank you again for coming on man and um that's pretty much it that would be a wrap thank you pleasure gentlemen thank you boop all right gang that's it show's over Time to put out that cigar and get back to work. Ain't nobody going to do it for you. Everybody get hustling.